What is going on, everybody? Mike Curlin here from the Bases Load Podcast. And just a reminder, for those who don't know, we have teamed up with Rotoballer this year for the 2020 season, which means we're joining the Rotoballer Radio Podcast Network. Since 2013, Rotoballer has been grinding away, providing millions of fantasy baseball players their fix for in-depth MLB analysis and player news. If you haven't heard, Rotoballer's 2020 draft kit is live, and all Bases Loaded listeners can get 10% off Rotoballer's draft kit by using discount code BASESLOADED. Rotoballer is home to number one fantasy pros accuracy ranker Nick Mariano. Nick's 2020 rankings and projections are available as part of Rotoballer's draft kit, along with printable cheat sheets, draft sleepers and busts, and more than 300 2020 player outlooks and tons of in-season tools. All of this from Rotoballer is available for 10% off with discount code BASESLOADED. Just go to rotoballer.com slash bases loaded and get your draft kit today. And they're walking him with the bases loaded and intentional walk to Barry Bonds. Two and two with the bases loaded and one out. Oh my God. Deep to right field. Way. Hello and welcome in everybody to episode 107 of the Bases Loaded podcast. Base Loaded is a fantasy baseball podcast and I'm your host Mike Curland. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland and I'm not rolling solo tonight. I'm rolling three deep myself and then you have Zach who's laughing already and George. You can follow them on Twitter. Zach is at Z. George is at Roto underscore Nino. Gentlemen, what is up? What's up, man? We're back. What's good? Three of us back together. We're back. Baseball's back. <laughs> Good the boys time. are back in town, and yes, this is like take number three because I just couldn't get the words out of my mouth this morning or this evening. It's late, and I got a pillow behind my head. Sleepy K's in full effect. My eyes are barely open. If I fell asleep on a lot, because now that we do StreamYard, you guys can watch me. If I fell asleep doing this, I don't know what I would do. I think it would be pretty hilarious. We, you guys actually get screenshots now. Oh, yeah. I'm screenshotting that for sure. Zach, yeah, welcome to the show, stranger. What's up, man? Didn't hey, know you're still part of the podcast. I, I am still part of the podcast. I uh, just took a little brief hiatus, but we're back, and it's good to be uh, good to be back with you guys. And it's crazy that we actually have baseball back now. Hopefully, there's yeah. still a lot. Yeah. There's still a lot of hurdles to cross here, but hopefully, well, there will be some baseball in the coming weeks and months. So, yeah, I I think there will be. I mean, barring like a major outbreak of covid like within you know multiple teams or something i think we will i mean they they even have like a we already kind of have multiple outbreaks on multiple teams and it's already kind of yeah something under the rug like all right well we're still gonna move forward like this team has 20 this team has 15 this team has seven and nobody's really saying anything about the start date getting pushed back or anything so it looks like this is (laughs) and this is without most teams reporting yet like imagine what's gonna happen when they start reporting to the same complex and facility i mean I honestly see another outbreak happening. That's why I'm I'm cautiously optimistic here that it's going to happen. But like, There's I, no optimism at all in anything you just said. You're not cautiously optimistic. You're still pessimistic. Yeah, yeah I'm a pessimist. What can I say? I mean, look, after the last like three and a half months, where we've had to shut everything down and we haven't really had much to talk about, like you know, we had already gotten a lot of draft prep out of the way. Like, you know, we. Right now, we have another season coming, and I'm ready to do it all over again. So, I mean, that's, that's what you. we got. Draft season 2.0. Tonight is draft strategy 2.0. How to attack a shortened season. I feel like we've talked about this so much, but you have to remember a lot of the people listening haven't been either they're either just coming back or they haven't been around really 
into it as much, which is totally understandable. But we are actually we're so into it that we are already we're already mock drafting. It's already happening. George over here just set up a mock draft. We just filled tonight. And this is going to be released Monday. So this is pre-recorded. And we're going to try to st- – I'm going to actually try to get back to doing a Monday-Wednesday release. And I'm we're not going to do so much pre-recorded stuff because, obviously, a lot can happen over the next few days. I would get it out sooner, but I have to work for a couple days. I know real life gets in the way sometimes. But regardless, this will be out Monday. So with that said – we can move forward. I don't know why. What are you telling me to move faster? I'm going to get no, there. I just let out a huge burp and I muted the, the mic. So gotcha. <laughs> All right. Cool. I wasn't sure what was going on. Hey, man. I'm just, I've been watching your beer, bourbon, whatever you got going on. So I'm chugging. What do you mean, whatever. It's beer, bourbon, baseball. Dude, beer, bourbon, hate. baseball. I forgot the name. I just said, for, I'm chugging a few beers tonight. So I had a burp. So I muted it. Sorry. I want to go get a beer now. Shoot. <laughs> I got a fridge go get a full beer. because I got a fridge full because of the show now. How many, never... how, how many beers did you chug last night, Mike, on the show? On the show, I just chugged the one. I had two. I usually try to keep it around two or three a show now. <laughs> it's only been two episodes. So we'll see how the tolerance goes up. But I, <laughs> I um, thought we, that we, the, we play a game, play yeah, a game the, and the I, game that you were playing, I thought that each time you incorrectly oh. did not get the clue, I thought you had to take a shot. <laughs> I don't think I can handle Dude, I'm a lightweight man. Like a couple of beers, I'm usually pretty good. So two beers, like is all right and then three or four i'm like feeling starting to feel it like really like feel it more than you're supposed to at, at my size or my at my age but i'm not yeah, much man. of a drinker i'm just starting to become one but hey give away two of these things making them to these beer bourbon yeah. baseball glasses so our glasses by the way i'm, never I'm, I'm like, like four or five beers deep right now so if you hear that me slur, so talkative if you hear me uh if you hear me slurring some is. words tonight <laughs> Fair enough, George. Apparently, I need to get him on the beer, bourbon, baseball thing just to get him. He's to, ready. Uh, he's exactly he, ready. He's, you know what he's been doing? Less podcasting and more drinking. It's not a thing you're supposed to be doing. It's flipping around. But yeah, we're, like I said, we're gonna get. I know we, a little bit of a tangent, but we haven't really had a chance to kind of get together and talk a little bit. So I hope you guys are enjoying this. But we're gonna get to the draft strategy again. Something we've been talking about a lot of. And oh, but the mock draft with the mock drafts gonna come. Uh, we have a few ideas for like live streams. Maybe we'll do a giveaway. Oh, uh, just a lot of fun stuff. Just trying to get people back into it, and we're gonna jump right into the mock drafting and hope that some of our good players uh, just to give us some content, talk about, and have some fun, and you'll be able to see our draft strategy in actual action. Yeah, but we'll you were go, mentioning. I was gonna go say ahead. we're we're gonna go over this mock draft. I'm assuming in a, a later mm-hmm. episode. But George, you put oh, this yeah. together. Can you just kind of go over what the uh, what the format is? What, what kind of mock are we doing here for everybody? So they know. Yeah. Well, you know look what? At, was... Hold on. Before we go any further, look at Zach. <laughs> Knowing how to run a show and help like transition things, all that practice over there, I'm loving oh, yeah. it, dude. Holy, I'm proud of you, Zach. That yeah, extra podcasting time over at Exit Velo is uh coming learn, in here. Learn from the master, okay? I know you're welcome. The man, the myth, the mouth. So, George, can you tell us a little bit about this yeah. mob draft? <laughs> well, uh, man, you know, I was just I was sitting at work and I was thinking, well, baseball's back. I mean, I want to get back to drafting. But I don't actually want to draft any real teams yet, you know, because we were just so early. Not, I mean, given everything that's going on, like not until like right up to to opening day. But um, I, I just thought, like, you know, why don't we just put together some mock drafts and start getting this, uh, you know, short season draft strategy going? And uh, yeah, put it together. Standard five by five roto on on fan tracks. Uh, one catcher. No, nothing else. Nothing else different. So fifteen teams. Uh, we just filled it up, so we'll get that mock uh, going tomorrow morning. And stuff looking forward to it i just yeah, realized like i have the third pick oh i didn't I have the, the pick oh 
Draft order. order. One, two, Draft three. order. Hold on. You you talk about it. So let's talk strategy. Here we go. Third pick. And this is Roto, right? It's Roto, yes. yeah. Okay, this actually transitions perfect into our draft strategy because I wanted to talk about short season, Roto or head-to-head. Which one do you think is realistically the better way to go and why? I guess we'll start with you, Zach, since you have to talk about your pick anyway. You have the sixth pick, Mike. Oh. oh. And okay. George is 12. Sorry, <laughs> that's, uh, well, that's all right, but go ahead. Can you repeat the question? I was not listening. Gosh. <laughs> uh, I was asking about draft, uh, draft season uh, – Draft strategy, sorry, in a shortened season, about do you prefer do you prefer roto or head to head, and why in a shortened season? Um, I'm I'm more for roto in the shortened season. I feel like head to head is going to be very difficult. There's just so many unknowns at this point, and I just feel like roto is going to be the true test to see who the ultimate team is in a 60, 60 game sprint. The marathon, I feel like, would have fit a head to head format a little bit better and there's a few head-to-head leagues that i'm in and we need to kind of figure out exactly how to proceed but personally i think roto is the best way to go in a 60 game season and um yeah i just think that would determine the true champion in a 60 game set what do you you guys think yeah it's a it's it's hard i mean i know any drafts that i go into uh any more drafts going forward are going to be roto i'm in a couple head-to-head leagues myself and we've kind of had to make adjustments um, you know, as far as matchups go, playing multiple matchups, stuff like that. It's just when you only ha- when you have to fit in like playoffs and stuff, and you're we're looking at like nine weeks of a season. And so if playoffs are going to start like maybe after six weeks, you fall behind. You know, you have one or two bad weeks that could really kill you as opposed to like a roto league. You know, you have you you're taking advantage of the full six games. So, yeah, I, I think for sure I prefer a uh, roto here. So what are you guys going to do with your your head-to-head matchup, head-to-head leagues? What are you going to do with your matchups? Are you going to keep it a full-on week-long matchup? Are you going to shorten that? Can you extend that? What what kind of things might you guys do? Well, um, we're going to do the full week matchup, but play multiple matchups in the same week. So you could play like two teams and um, and then like the league average. Uh, I'm in a points league where we're essentially for the first – uh, six weeks, six, seven weeks, um, will basically just be going by point total, like rotisserie style, but just with points. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like top four teams in total points um, will go to the playoffs. So just you just got to get creative, stuff like that. And hopefully a lot of these sites will allow for you to be creative. Uh, I'm sure fan tracks will be pretty lenient with some of this stuff and, and assist with that. But I'm not sure exactly how like other sites like CBS, Yahoo, ESPN. I, I just I, I hate ESPN. I'm in two ESPN leagues and it's complete garbage. But I don't know how like a site like that who may not be um, as with it as fan tracks is. I don't know how how they would do i'm with you guys roto is the way to go i'll keep it simple you guys kind of broke down the reasoning all right let's get to auction strategy you guys don't really do auctions right i know i do i know zach doesn't george you've wanted to but they're time consuming yeah i put on getting in one auction the one i thought we were i was gonna redo a home league i thought but apparently it's sticking but in an auction league i am more likely than ever to go stud dud i think high-end pitching which we'll get into um a little bit high-end pitching has more value this year i think high-end hitting not having to worry about platoons also people like trey turner guys with steals gain more value so with that said i will definitely target more of the high-end options on offense and pitching and then fill it up with the back-end guys and just be really really you know turn and burn on the waiver wire 
because we're going to be turning and burning on the waiver wire anyway. So my auction strategy, typically I'll be a little more balanced, but now I'm more willing to kind of take a chance and go the stud dud, which doesn't really surprise George because I know he's been hearing me talk about going for it in these recent drafts. But I wanted to ask you, at three, Zach, there's a legit chance at third overall that Trout might fall to you. Do you pass on Trout at three overall? So you're saying Acuna and Yelich expected to go one-two. And, and Trout... Betts might be there. Betts might... And Betts is hard to pass on with top three. Shortened season, one of the best uh, offenses in baseball, so... terrible teams he's facing, and playing for a contract. Trout so... has a baby on the way. I was going to say, the only reason that you're considering on passing on Trout is because he would be attending the birth of his child and probably be quarantined for at least a week or two. Correct. The quarantine is, isn't uh, isn't necessarily a concern, but you gotta think leaves misses time with the baby has to take a test to get get the results back. Assuming he's negative, that's probably gonna be about what a one, a one week process. One week, and that, that doesn't include the fact that he has actually been injury prone over the last three years or two years. Yeah, they've really they've been freak injuries though, whether it be getting hit by a pitch or diving into a base, something like that. So I'm not concerned about that. Like we said in this mock draft, I have the third overall pick. If Trout's there for me at number three. No hesitations. I'm taking him. I'm not overly concerned. Honestly, that's maybe what? That's like a 10-day, 10, 15-day DL stint if he's out for that long and I get him for the rest of the season. If I get him for 40, 50 games in a 60-game season, he's still going to put up elite numbers, and I'm going to take that all day, every day. So at three, I would definitely take Trout still. Uh it's tough. I consider bets over him. I've heard, I've seen people talk about him not being a first-rounder. That's absurd. But top five pick is really tough. George, what do you think about Trout? Uh, yeah, that's that's tough because I mean, uh, missing a week can can really hurt you. But regardless, I think Trout can be better than you know most, uh, even missing a week. So, I mean, at at three, I don't know. I mean, is is Bet safer? I think so. I think I think, tr- I think Trout could still put up equal, if not better, numbers in less games than Mookie Betts. Um. We act like you really. I think was it two years ago where Betts was better than Trout, thus pushing was, him. Yeah. Three yeah. years. Was it three, two, years, three ago? years ago. It was one of the, I think it was three years ago because then two years ago he was drafted ahead of him, which was a mistake. And then last year he wasn't. I think it was something like that. And my point is, though, is we know that he has that potential. And again, we're talking about DH, so there's more chances for RBIs hitting ahead of him. Talking a great team, and again, you have to remember divisions. He gets to face the Giants more, the Rockies. Think about these pitching staffs. You know what I mean? The, the Padres are okay. You don't know what to expect there. But and what the yeah, D-backs? I, know, I, I honestly, I, I I might take uh, Betts and and Bellinger, and then you know maybe that's where I'm at. But yeah. then I was thinking, I'm I'm picking six. If I had to pick between Trey Turner and Trout, that's really difficult for me right now because I'm truly valuing steals that much right now. Yeah, absolutely. And especially, and this one is 15 teams. So statistical scarcity is actually more something you need to be aware of. Because this is a literal sprint, not a marathon. These three to five chip-in guys aren't going to do it for you. You can't just compile steals through a draft anymore. Yeah, Trey, for sure. Trey Turner is one person who I'm, I've moved He won't up. fall past me at six. Yeah. <laughs> he won't fall past me at six. But and again, if 12-team league, I think I would go Trout because there's a higher floor safety there. I'm not as concerned with soft tissue injuries as I am with a Trey Turner. And I don't know. There's a, Again, there's a lot there, but I'm truly concerned about just, again, that week. You know you're missing likely a week at least. That is a big deal. And, and when games played are a commodity, games played are very important. They're a uh, commodity wasn't in the world I was looking for. They're a currency almost. Yeah. They matter so much. 
Zach, I can tell you really want to say something. Well, no. Well, you can cut this out, but did you update your consensus rankings on our Google Doc? You did. Yeah, I put Trout at like five. You did. I'm looking at it right now. I was like, whoa. It's like, you must have updated this. But yeah, man. Um, hypothetically, if like Mookie bets, if he gets hurt and he misses, misses one to two weeks or so, um, it's the same thing. I mean, a DL stint for any of these other guys, I think you're equaling production with Mike Trout, even if he's out for one to two weeks uh, due to the birth of his child. I still think that I'm taking Trout early because his numbers are that greater than everybody else's. The stolen base numbers may not be there. And I, I agree with you. We'll, we'll probably touch on this tonight a little bit more, but like the stolen base is a very hot commodity now, um, especially with, with the universal DH and um, just a lot of questions. Uh, I think stolen bases in general are very up in the air right now. And I'm definitely taking a chance earlier on guys like, like Trey Turner and even Mondesi, which we can touch upon in a little bit. Um, but Mike Trout is just, he, he's Mike Trout, man. He, he's the best player in baseball. And I, I just, I can't pass on him at three. I really can't. Even I if he's missing a week or two. I can't blame you, but a week or two in a 60 game season is way too, I can't even do the math right now. Cause what is that? Three months, two and a half months of games. That's like what? Tw- two weeks is like 15, 20% of the season. feels like. Probably less than that, about 10% of the season, but maybe, I don't know. Yeah. It's a lot. I'm sure somebody with better at math figured it out and is calling me an idiot right now. But you get my point. It's a huge chunk of the season, especially in a Roto League where you can't, once you fall behind in stats, catching up is going to be relatively difficult, especially in a weekly format. There's a lot that goes into this. And again, 15-teamers, which again is what we're mocking, statistical scarcity is a legitimate problem. Anybody who doesn't who ignores that and also doesn't ignore the fact that people might miss time or are more injury prone it's a little dangerous with that said i'm willing to take a little bit of uh risks here and there in the mid rounds which we'll get to but again that actually goes right into our drafting hitters because i want to talk about drafting hitters as a whole high floor versus ceiling it's a constant debate between george and i so george i'll let you set the foundation since you know high floor foundation yeah i'll let you set the foundation (laughs) to this discussion and talk about the high floor guys and why you prefer to go that way. Yeah, I mean, we've kind of gone back and forth about this regarding a short season. And um, for me, I mean, yeah, 60 games, I want guys that I can trust, uh, guys that are going to give me a good safe floor, at least early on. I mean, typically, like in 162, I, I would I would take a few chances like in the first few rounds. Uh, this time, I, I'd rather take chances later and just get a really high floor, you know, safe guys, uh, especially early on. I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't really want anything to do with guys that are just like so volatile. Um, no, it, they, I mean, they could really hurt you, and I'm, I'm not taking that chance. Yeah, I think exactly. sixty games, like we know, anything can happen in sixty games. We know that there's going to be so much variance. There's going to be some crazy stats, and really, like the best we can do is just try to mitigate uh, the risk here, like much more, like in a sixty game season as as we would like in 162 so yeah i'm i'm all about the high floor and safety um for this year and what about you zach what are you thinking i think i'm pretty similar to george here i'm i'm probably targeting more high floor guys but there's definitely some high ceiling guys that i will reach for i mean some specific guys that i'm still avoiding um i'm I'm not not taking guys like judge i'm not taking guys like stanton i know you like Stanton in this type of shortened season and I am completely on the opposite side of that. 
<laughs> Absolutely hate him because one injury and he could be gone for half the season. So I'm out on him. Guys That's like anybody though. Your high floor players, your safe players, anybody can get an injury. And we almost all agree that Stanton's injuries, albeit frequent, have been pretty fluky, minus the calf who's been kind of lingering. But they happen all the time. <laughs> All okay, the time. and now you're talking about Trout. Okay, now you're going to make me pull up Trout's numbers. Gosh, I didn't think I was going to have to pull up Trout's numbers of all people. Yeah, see, I, I don't mind taking a chance on someone who may be a little injury prone. Like, I, I think, like, hey, if they can stick around for 60 games, I mean, come on, give me 60 games. Like, someone like Carlos Correa, even Stanton, like, I wouldn't mind. It, it's, like, it's just the high, like, strikeout guys, uh, you know, the Joey Gallows or Miguel Sano. Like, I mean, th- these guys can hit 200 in 60 games, and I, I don't want that. Mike Trout hasn't played more than 140 games the last three years. And that's the high mark. 134 last year and 114 two years ago. and well, Sorry, three years ago with 140 two years ago. So he obviously was what healthy, you know, the, the definition of health prior to that. But as he gets older, the wear and tear starts to add up. He's been playing for quite some time now. Looking at a guy that just, I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying he's injury prone. I think they've been fluky as well, but you're just talking about injuries and you act like Mike Trout can't get injured. And again, I call I call him safe. Acuna, never really been hurt before, can easily tweak a hamstring, tweak a groin, be out for two or three weeks. Even Yelich, who actually is injury prone, is still pretty much a consensus top three pick, but people are worried about the knee that he broke on a foul tip. People have seen forget he broke it on a foul tip. That's fluky. But it's the back that would concern me because the back costs him like you know four days here, three days there. I think he can get through up. He plays through it and gets through it pretty well. But it's still an issue. It's just injuries are everywhere you look. Where you take the injury risks matter. I'm willing to take him on Stanton, who I I, can't, I would have to cite the actual month. But what was that that month? That crazy month he put up like 18 home runs and batted like 320. That is the type of flash in the pan that I want to target in the middle rounds. To really, and again, I'm targeting stats early on now. I'm not looking at compiling safe high floor guys. Part of the high risk strategy I'm employing involves with targeting stats. It's why I want Turner. If I miss if I miss on Turner, I want Mondesi. I'll reach on Mondesi because I think stat. I think Steelers are that much more valuable. With that comes obviously the injury risk and all that. But I think early on, if I take a Mondesi, say second round, right? I have to reach from the second round right now to get him. I think you'll see his ADP creep to the mid-second round, to be honest, because of the steals. But regardless, so if I can't get Trey Turner in the first, I'll take him on to see in the second. I will then pair him with a Stanton in, in like the fifth. That is a hot, lot of volatility. But people act like I can't get safety later. Why can't I just go pick up a Brian Reynolds and a Luis Arias and then maybe pick up a Chris da- a Kyrus Davis in those later rounds? And boom, now I have the power, the batting average, and less injury-prone p- players on that team. Chris Davis being injury-prone with the hit, but I think he's in DH pretty much most of the year. So I don't consider him too injury prone or at least a chance for a high chance for re-injury of the hip. With that said, I guess I kind of, again, hit those stats a little more while compiling high batting floor, high batting average floor later, kind of still building an all-around team, but having the higher ceiling and I would argue higher floor in certain categories that people are going to try to build an all-encompassing team. I'm going to put the theory in this mock for sure because I, I should get Trey at six. I would like to think because if I don't get Trey at six, I'm getting one of Bellinger or Brett Betts anyway. So if I get Trey at six, you're going to see me employ this tactic for sure. And, we'll, and then we'll talk about how my team looks. I think it'll be a great exercise. And then I actually have a real draft. The podcast draft that I did was a DC. It was a draft champions league. So it's like a hundred bucks, a hundred dollar buy and whatever. We're redrafting it. And it's with like bat Flip crazy, uh, Chris towers, um, Ray Butler, a whole bunch of guys. Just it's, again, it was just a really 
star stud and i say that with quotes because we're all just regular people but you know whatever it was full of like just big name guys really smart people and we're redrafting that and honestly depending on where i get I'm, i want to employ the same strategy in that draft too so i'm willing like i guess what i'm trying to say is a long way of saying i'm willing to put my money where my mouth is because i truly believe in that strategy for a shortened season will it work i don't know but nobody knows this is unprecedented we'll never see a season like this likely ever again and i think this is the time to pull out all the stops that is my long rant of saying I disagree with you guys. But I, tr- I truly buy into my philosophy, and I'm really going to actually put money where my mouth is. I'm actually going to draft this way and see what happens because none of us know what's going to happen. And I think the way you guys are thinking about being a little safer, that's going to lead you maybe coming in second if you're lucky, probably third. I play I play for first. I don't want to come in third. Oh, sure, I'll take my money back, whatever. I'll, I'll make a little money in second, but I think you're more likely to come in first with with uh with these types of guys these high variance guys bro just my I, thoughts i am playing for second okay yeah with high, <laughs> with high floor with a, with a high floor team in a shortened season you can't build a team full of compilers and expect to win you don't have time to compile and on top of that how many times have we seen a guy who steals 10 bases in a season go with a 60 a 60 game stretch without a steal i.e rafael devers i'm pretty sure he almost did that if not longer the second half of last year he saw like one base or something crazy. And this is a guy who had like nine steals on the year. You just can't take these guys like a – you can't take these guys with ten steals on the season and, and hope that they steal that same pace over 60 games when, real, when realistically you can have teams not running at all trying to not force runs or you have – it's just there's a whole lot going into it. You just can't take these compilers because of that. Sorry. Are you done? Are you done? I think so. I think, <laughs> I think I ran over. I miss this. I miss this so much. I love talking. Fantasy baseball is back. 2.0. You got full on. Mike, <laughs> you got Mike going full rant. You got you got other guys not talking at all for like three minutes. Oh, this shit. is this is this is the old times here, man. So go ahead, Zach. No, man. Going. Hey, I, I mean, I, I agree. I, I mean, those compilers. Oh. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. I go said ahead. Zach. Go ahead. Okay, go ahead. Go I said ahead. the right name this time. Well, because Zach's been itching to talk. I guess George was too. No, go ahead. All right, George. George. Go ahead. No, yeah, go ahead, George. No, I, I was just gonna say. No, you're right. I mean there's different ways to go about it. I mean, you don't, you're those, as far as those compilers go, you're right. Like we can't guys like that are going to take a hit, but I, I think there's a way to go about drafting where you can still mitigate that risk of having like a 200 average guy, you know? And so I don't know. Give me like, Joey Gallo. Give me modesty. <laughs> Give me them all. That's all I got. Zach. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the answer, Zach. No, I mean, I'm, I agree. Like the stolen base compilers, I'm I'm gonna move those up quite a bit on draft day. It's it's all about team construction. Like what you were saying, um, if you take Trey Turner in the first, then you're gonna try and target power a little bit later. I mean, it just it really depends on who falls to you. And yeah, I mean, I'm I I feel like going with a a safe floor is a better strategy right now. But I want to mix that in with some guys who have a chance to of a high ceiling. So it's it's a bit of a mix and match for both of those for me. And yeah. the quick the quick thought in my head because now I actually can't believe I want to like I actually wanted to pick top three all draft season. I want the sixth overall pick now, every time, because at the very worst I will get Mike Trout. There's like there's gonna be drafts where he falls there, but at the very least I'm getting Trey Turner, and that involves that involves me you know getting one of Yelich Acuna. Betts, Bellinger, Trout, or or Turner. I feel like those yeah. six for me. I want that one of those six to start my team now, and yeah. I really think that those six have a little bit on the rest of the first round. I, I have a I have the twelfth pick in this mock that we're doing. So 
that's going to be a little interesting, you know, to see who's going to be there at 12. I mean, Jose Ramirez for George. I think so. I, I think I, I got go Jose Ramirez, or <laughs> I, I may even go if he's there, I may even go ahead and take Walker Bueller. You know, if, if, if he's Ooh, there, I wouldn't mind taking Walker Bueller. And then, like, you know, coming around in the second round, like, I really like someone like, um, uh, like JD Martinez. Like, I, I might have taken a bigger risk than JD Martinez in the second round. But I mean, in a 60 game season, uh, he, he's for me, he's like a perfect second rounder. I mean, you look at his like 60 game rolling average, and, and over the last three years, they may have been like once or twice where it's dipped down to like 260. Other than that, it's been like 290 or above the whole time. Like a Bueller and JD Martinez start, I think I got a solid foundation there. I mean, and I'm gonna use that skills, but I'll say you're gonna have to worry about speed because then there's a guy like me where it's like, I'm really curious, and I don't want to do this because it's just stupid, but I really am curious how a Turner Mondesi start would. I can't do back to back shortstops like that, but that would essentially wrap up stolen bases and deflate the market or deplete the market, excuse me. But does that also put me in a position where? It's overkill where now everybody else doesn't have to try as hard because a lot of steals will get you second place in the in the uh will get you second in the in the category. And sec- and people you have to remember you don't have to win the category. So and people have, tend to forget that throughout drafts. And I like to I'll, I'll play for top three or four in a category just fine. So taking Turner Monacy almost all but assures me stolen bases, but in the process, it depletes the market, making them less of a necessity for other people. That's where I get kind of torn. On taking him, so I probably won't do back-to-back stolen base guys. But it depends if Bellinger falls to six, then I think well, although there's speed there, I could see that team out running a lot because they're just so good they won't need to. I might I would pair him on to see with him. I think that'd be a fantastic one-two punch, and if that covers every category, and then from there kind of build. But I agree with the I like the ace tactic. I could see taking an ace in the top five too. Like if I saw Degrom and Cole go in the top five above one of those hitters, I totally I totally get it. It's just I wouldn't do it. I still, even though I value a high end pitching, I just can't get to that. I can't do. I couldn't do that. But I guess we can transition into pitching. <laughs> I before mean, we before before we transition into pitching, I'm sure. curious what you guys think. Uh, we're, we've obviously been talking about Montesi's name has come up quite a bit so far tonight. What are your thoughts on reaching for some of these other stolen base guys? Are you guys are you guys in on Montesi as a second or third round? Are you guys in? on Jonathan VR. I know a lot of people were down on Mondesi and VR in a, a regular 162 game season, but these types of guys, are you willing to to move up your rankings and reach for these guys if necessary? Mondesi, yes, VR no. <laughs> As a and Marlins fan, why? I don't think he stays a Marlin longer than a month. You really think they're going to move him after 30 days? That that's probably the goal of why they even got him. The idea is to build trade equity and drop them. So couldn't that actually hypothetically help his case then, getting out of Marlins Park and going to a better ballpark maybe? It would depend on where – it would be dependent on the landing spot. And team context, is he going to be stealing more? Is he going to be batting at the bottom of the lineup instead of the top? There's a lot of things that go into that. The Marlins don't have to hold him back, but I don't think he stays a Marlin. So if he doesn't stay a Marlin, how much of that 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 affects his stolen base output? That's where I'm at. Is uh, is he – under contract just through this year, I believe so. I could be wrong, but yeah, I honestly don't. I mean, I know, we don't. I know Corey Dickerson's two years for whatever yeah, reason. We don't know exactly how. I mean, obviously the the trade deadline was was what August like thirty first end of August. Yeah. Um, I don't even know if there's thirty one days in August to be honest. 
there is because uh, I always miss okay. my mom's birthday. August thirty first, um, yeah. end of August. I mean, we don't know how active teams are going to be in the tr- at the trade deadline this year. I, I, I'm planning on VR being a Marlin being at the top of that lineup every day, and I know that he's going to run. That team is going to run. There's no reason why he would not run in that lineup, and. I'm I'm very intrigued by him. He's definitely moved up my rankings because stolen bases are going to be tough. And um, yeah. guys like VR, guys like Turner, guys like Monesey, they can steal you multiple bags a night. Like that's going to make a huge difference. And in a sprint, a uh, sixty-game sprint here, that's going to make a huge difference, and it's going to be a game changer. So I'm I'm in on those types of guys this year. George, what do you think? Yeah, I was going to say like I like the opposite of Mike where. I might be a little more in on VR than I am on, on Mondesi. <laughs> <laughs> the opposites, man. It's been great. We haven't agreed on anything. It's been so much fun. Yep. Can't, believe, can't believe Mike is out for his, his Marlin. Who's apparently going to be traded after 20, 25 days or something. Okay. And Kinsler's not going to be traded or insert closer here that was picked up literally for trade bait. Well, everyone's going to be trading. All these non-contenders are going to trade away all their crappy relievers, wherever they can get. Some high A, no name, sixteen year old kid out of the Dominican Republic or something. That's what they're going to trade Kinsler for. It's just the facts, and that's why we're going to get into RPs in a little bit. But let's get back to starting pitchers before we get too far off track. And what is your just overall strategy? I don't think we need to spend too much time on it. I think we all kind of agree. I actually just listened to George's podcast, and for those who don't know, George hosts a podcast. It's Roto. It's the Roto Ranks Fantasy Baseball podcast. And his work is over there as well. He runs a site now. He's gracious enough to donate his time to this podcast still. But, hey, man. <laughs> you guys but, are still my main dudes. <laughs> but he he hosts his own podcast for his own site, which is fantastic. And I, like I, said, I actually listen to his podcast. And I recommend you do the same. And with that said, he was talking about his starting picture strategy. So I'll let you kind of discuss it because I don't want to take it from you. But I do agree with you. So I won't have to talk much about it personally yeah for sure i mean i actually move uh starting pitching up at least you know the the top tier starting pitching um for for me like i said it kind of kind of goes back to my overall strategy where i'm trying to mitigate uh risk and i mean yeah it's true that you know one blow-up start and anybody could have a blow-up start but one blow-up start could could you know really set you back but it's all going to be relative you know it, it it's all like all of these guys, it's for everybody. It's all going to be relative. So maybe you can win a, you know, there's going to be a higher, you'll see like people winning ERA uh, categories with like a higher ERA than you're used to. But like I said, it's all going to be relative. And the ones that are less likely to have those blow up starts or to be able to recover faster, you know, have those seven, eight inning starts later in the season, you know, 10 strikeouts, one run. Those are the guys that I want. I mean, I'm pushing those elite, starting pitchers up and I want to come out of the draft with at least two pitchers in the, my first four rounds. Um, and then from that point um, really just kind of hit relievers hard, like after that. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's kind of where, that's kind of where I'm at. I, I'd rather uh, take chances later on with, with hitters and get my pitching established, you know, early on. Uh, Cause yeah, it's, it's just going to be crazy. What about you, Zach? Yeah, I agree with most of that. Um, yeah, some of these, it, it's just going to be such a crapshoot, especially in the beginning of the season. We've been seeing reports today of coaches saying that uh, their pitchers may be only the first 
first few turns uh, throughout the season, maybe a couple weeks in, they're only going to be going a couple of innings. And obviously, if you're in um, if you're in quality start types leagues, like that's a huge blow. So obviously, I am I'm with you, George. I'm going to try and reach for for some of these these aces that are that go deep into the games here. I don't know if I would move them up a ton. Um, like, I don't know if I'm going to be going pitcher in the first round still. I don't know if I would, I would do that, but I, I think second, third, I would definitely try and nail down one of these true aces. Um, but I agree with you. I'd rather chase some hitters later on and try and secure pitching early. But I, I want guys that eat innings, especially if I'm in like a quality starts league. I, I really don't want to be taking as big of a risk right now on, on guys maybe like Lazardo or, or Gallon or Brandon Woodruff, guys who maybe aren't going as deep into games. Uh, Chris Paddock as well. Um, I think it's going to take that. Went, see, no, that's a misconception because I remember watching a lot of Paddock, and I feel like he would always go six innings, but he would he would be efficient. It would be like 90 pitches. So oh, I think yeah. I heard, I think I've heard people cite that he's never thrown 100 pitches in a game, but he wouldn't have to. He would throw like 90 and get through five to six innings almost all the time, I feel like. Maybe he, I'm just misthinking, but I swear that was the case a lot of the he, time. He's going to go deep into games, but I think they're going to ease him into it. I don't think that's going to be well, right away. I, th- I think you're probably going to see guys like Scherzer and Cole and DeGrom, like those elite guys, they're probably still going to – like maybe it'll take like one one turn to maybe get them – get them warmed up and go like a, like five or six, but I think they'll be back to their normal selves pretty, pretty quickly compared to some of these other guys. I agree. Um, and that's why I push those guys up in particular, those guys. And then you start cherry picking guys like Charlie Morton. I think he gets his five innings quickly guys like Giolito Kershaw. So Grinky. it's like kind of, kind of like the top. Oh yeah. Grinky made my top 20. He wasn't even barely a yeah. top 25. I don't think he was a top 25 guy. I have updated my ranks. He's a top 20 guy now. And it's because of the elite ratios that come with his likely high inning uh, limit count. So he's a guy that, again, I, I've transitioned my thoughts on a little bit. So while we're talking about those types of guys, there's a guy that I, I really never would take, but he's a guy that I would consider now. How do you feel about a guy like Kyle Hendricks, who's an innings eater? He puts up good ratios. He's not going to put up huge strikeout numbers, but he should go fairly deep into games. And if you're in a quality start league, that's somebody that I have I would have to consider at this point. What do you think? At this point, I'm on the hill of uh, I'm on this hill on this on this anti Kyle Hendricks hill, <laughs> and I have to just hold by stand stand hold pat whatever the word is like I just have to stand by it even though I've started I hate to admit that I started softening on the idea of taking him because of that but dude mm-hmm. when you're barely striking out seven per nine like that, that kills me and you're looking yeah. at three yeah I get it. it's a mid three ZRA so. That really helps, but I guess it depends on who you have by then. And I feel like every draft, there's always going to be somebody higher on him for, than me for sure. But I'm also, because I know I'm addressing pitching early on, I usually don't get him because I'm always taking two pitchers in my first five rounds. Always. First four, usually, actually. I usually get two in my first four. I was doing that before COVID. I'm doing it now, or before the season was even shortened. And now I'm doing it now for sure because I really do put more value in those top 20 guys because my top 20 are all those types you mentioned. And you mentioned Lazardo. And Lazardo, Urias, those are huge, you know, risers and ADP, huge, you know, guys that people want to have. But Lazardo is going the highest of them all. Right now, he's going as the 27th pitcher off the board since um, April 1st. That's a big enough sample size, I feel like. And when you have the 27th overall pitcher, that includes relief pitchers. But let's say, let's play some would you rather, L- uh, Lazardo or Barrios? 
both of you have to answer. I th- I think Quick, Barrios rapid, just because rapid. he he's an he's an innings guy. I would go Barrios at this point. George. Yeah, for me it, it, it kind of depends where I'm at leading up to that point, but in a vacuum I I think for for this uh I would go with Barrios as well. All right. Um Bauer or Lazardo? Lazardo. Bauer. Woodruff or Lazardo? Lazardo. Yeah, Lazardo. I hate you both. You're wrong. Uh, Sonny Gray or Lazardo? <laughs> Sonny Gray or Lazardo? Sonny. Yeah, I like Sonny. Montas or Lazardo? <clears throat> Montas. Montas. All right, two more. Maybe three more. I'll put three more names. Kluber or Lazardo? Lazardo. Oh, my God. That's a tough one. <laughs> if only you did fantasy I, for – oh, wait. You do if you do fantasy. You got to answer I, it. I, I want to say Kluber. <laughs> okay. Mike Soroka. Or Lazardo, Soroka. Hmm. These are tough. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, these no, are guys going after him. That's. I guess my point is, is ultimately guys. Barrios was going ahead of him. Bowers going ahead of him. Since again, this is since uh, April first. But then every other name from Gray, Montas, Kluber, they're all going after him in ADP right now. Soroka, and my last one was Lance Lynn, which I rather have Lance Lynn over him personally. Yeah, and Lance Lynn's going. Be, Lance Lynn's going behind every single one of those names I just mentioned. So for some reason, he's still getting so much value out of him. Lance Lynn's a guy that I can't get enough of. I have some shares of him, and a lot of my leagues are actually playing it out. Are your leagues playing it out because I have a lot of leagues playing it out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Lozardo is someone who I might just, I, I might not actually like be actively trying to target because yeah, I do. I am going to want guys who are going to on a per game basis go a little deeper. And I mean, like you, you mentioned a couple, I, I'm just looking at different ways I can dissect this and, and try to, I, I've said it over and over again, mitigate my risk. And Zach Greinke is one who I really like uh, just for that reason. You know, I, I looked at basically every pitcher going like in the top 200 and of all of them, Shane Bieber and Zach Greinke were the two that didn't allow an ERA or four or more during any month at all in 2019. Um, so those are two guys, I mean, you know, that, that I like, and then, uh, you mentioned Bauer. I'm kind of avoiding anyone who has a problem with walks. Because if we're talking about like someone who can have those blow-up innings, guys who walk or, or blow-up games, guys who walk a lot of batters are going to be at the biggest risks of having that blow-up here and there. And so guys like Trevor Bauer, uh, Robbie Ray, I mean, even, even Luis Castillo, um, you know, as good as he can be, we know he has a problem with walks. And if he has you know, one or two blow up. Like I said, I'm just trying to, um, you know, limit my risk. And so guys that, that walk a lot of batters are just, you know, I'm going to be trying to avoid them. Have we heard any update as to what's going to happen with double headers? Is that a thing that's still going to happen or have we not heard anything? I think they're just trying to play 60 games in like 66 days or something crazy. Like yeah. no days off, basically. It's like one day off a week or something. One, yeah, probably just one day off a week. Um, if, if we go back, I mean, rainouts maybe. Walker Bueller, Jacob De, Degrom, and uh, Garrett Cole. For, do does the realign like does the whole you know scheduling realignment of the divisions or whatever? Um, does that impact it like at the guys at the top for you? Because for me, I, I think I actually have Walker Bueller number one. Yeah, I was gonna say I think it's, it definitely it's, helps it's Bueller. It's definitely an argument. I'm not gonna lie. That's definitely I'm not surprised. I, I think I said that not so long ago based on the super divisions. Yeah, I think I mean I just don't know. I'm still kind of scared 
I'm still kind of scared of the Dodgers being the Dodgers. Yeah. I, I'm not worried about that at all for like I, Bueller. I wish I wasn't. I, I actually like their situation. If I can get both Bueller and Kershaw, like both of them in the first four or five rounds, like I'm going to be ecstatic. I mean, you look at DeGrom, who now that 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 whole East with the NL and AL, it's going to be – I mean, it's well, going to no, be – it's going to be a tough. It's going to be a tough division. Well, yeah. The, and then, the, thing, the way it works, the way it works is the NL faces like the NL East faces all the NL East teams like what ten times each. So yes. they have to face the Marlins. So he gets the Marlins a lot, which is great. The Phillies aren't terrible, but they're not great either. They're good. They're they're solid. The Mets are obviously okay, but then they get the uh, Nationals, which are good. And why am I blanking on the last team? Marlins, Mets, Nats. Oh, Braves. you can't play the Nats. Braves. 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 The Braves. And the Braves are good. So we know that at least the top half of the lineup's really good. So I think that's tough. And then the problem is that where it comes to deciding factors where you DeGrom has to face the Yankees 10 or the Mets face the Yankees 10 times because they're, you know, in the same area. That same thing goes for like, that's why. So, yeah, like you said, I think who do the Dodgers get? The Angels? The, I mean, Angel. they have a, the Angels have a top six. Like if Otani's hitting, Rangers. they have a solid top six hitters. Mariners. Yeah, but the, yeah you have to remember that. And they get the Rangers. Yeah, they get the Mariners. But they get – they, they, that's, what, that's what I was mentioning. They get 10 against the Giants, 10 against the Rockies, 10 against the Padres, 10 against the Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks are actually decent. But you get my point. It's like three out of those four teams right there are not that great on offense. So yeah. are they pl- are they playing every team in the other division? So like, would the Mets be playing every team in the AL East, or was it just – Eventually. But I think the idea is for them to play the team closest to them the most. So uh, like they got so they 40 games – they get 40 it's games the against their – yeah, they get the 10 against the Yankees. And then 3-3-4-4 three, three, four, four or something like that. The so way the they, would not be pl- they would not be playing the Orioles. The, the Nationals would be getting the Orioles multiple times. They get the Orioles for like a three-game set. That's it. They'll get the Orioles for three, Red Sox for three, Blue Jays for four, and somebody else. For, like the way that that will work out, it will work out to being 60 games. Yeah. And But they just play the Yankees the most because they're geographically closest. I get to see the Rays a lot more, which is great because the Rays are a local team I pick up in my area anyway. So I get to watch Marlins and Rays for 10 games, which is kind of nice for me because I know the Marlins aren't going to do anything, but it's kind of just I enjoy watching them. The Rays are a fun team to watch. All right, we, we've talked about that enough. But scheduling, that's a whole other thing. We'll actually probably do a podcast just on the schedules once we officially get them and talk mm-hmm. about players up, down, and then rosters because rosters are going to adjust. And that's another thing. You got to watch how rosters adjust. Beginning of the beginning of the season, rosters are going to be larger. You might see more platooning. Then as rosters get cut down because they're talking about cutting down every week or two, whatever it is, then you'll see people leaving the team. Maybe platoons die slow down, and that's when you'll know how to buy low. And that'll be a whole other. We'll have a buy low stuff for sure. It's gonna be it's gonna be crazy. It's gonna be right. It's gonna be really really fast. It's gonna, it's like fantasy football meets fantasy baseball, yeah. which is easy for analysis but pain in the butt because it's unlike anything we've ever had to deal with on the fantasy baseball side of things. Yeah, and while we're talking about schedule, I mean it, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with some of these teams that were not really expected to compete in a 162 game season. Like the Marlins, I'm I'm not expecting the Marlins to really make noise, but we've seen stretches the past few years. Like maybe the Mariners. The Mariners are a great example. They have tended to start out very hot, and then they just cool off. But in a 60 game season, I mean, if they can stay hot for for like 40 games, month plus here, I mean. That could put them in a good spot to possibly make the playoffs with whatever the playoff expansion is. So it should be interesting to see what some of these maybe I'm I'm calling the Mariners and the Marlins like a rebuilding team, even the Giants as well. Um, those teams, this would be a great year for them to make a push for it because they really weren't expecting it. 
So I'm curious to see how a lot of these younger teams kind of take advantage of the 60 game season if they make a push for it. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And then that kind of goes into the whole minor league talk. And there's just so much to dive into there that don't even know where to start because yeah. I don't still a lot of unknowns. Still yeah. so much unknowns as far as like how they're going to treat like a lot, some teams we like we don't know Nate Pearson. People think people have this optimism about Nate Pearson. I don't think the Blue Jays are going to bring him up personally. They're going to just use him on the taxi squad, stuff like that. But we can talk about again. That's actually another podcast probably just talking about minor leaguers because there's so many of them and taxi squads as a whole. Maybe talk about who's in, who's out possibly this year from the taxi squad. Another discussion. Let's jump into RP strategy. All right. On that note, we're going to go ahead and take a brief break and we'll be right back with you after a word from our sponsors. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And we're back. This is simple. I'm going to go first because mine hasn't changed a bit. And it's even better now that this shortened season. I think George and I actually, this is the one thing we did agree on. I would (laughs) like to hear if you change your mind on this, George. But we would draft one high-end guy. I have a lot of Chapman and a lot of Asuna this year. My one end, my one high end guy, and that would go at the bottom and grab a Kinsler, a Joe Jimenez, and kind of like just play the bottom guys and have two closers, one of which being solid and secure, and the other ones are just like, I'm going to be aggressive on the waiver wire. George, is that still kind of your strategy? Because that's still mine going into it because I know there's going to be a lot of turnover and I'll play the waiver wire. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Um, I know, I know both Zach and I are both really high on Hater. Uh, especially now, like in the in the sixty games, I mean, even multi-inning guy, he's not going to be the closer. Canable time, I'm telling you, doesn't Jeez. doesn't matter. He's still he going to get wins if you're in safe holds. Yeah, he, he's going to help those ratios a ton. He's going to get those strikeouts. <laughs> no, I yeah. agree with the, the I agree with the ratios and stuff. I just think that you can get the same guy, Nick Anderson, like three rounds later. Not like quite, obviously. He's not a hater. <laughs> But I think you can you can grab your high end closer that's somebody that's safer for saves because save remember a lot of a lot of leagues probably majority are are definitely um, saves only which sorry Siri tried to dude I hate iPhones Siri likes to try to be nosy like I'm talking about her even when I say her name hey Siri she doesn't even answer oh no she okay she did but that's not the point <laughs> the point is that she'll answer randomly anyway uh where, where were we oh hater I was hating. <laughs> oh god dad jokes they're so much fun <laughs> zach what, what is, is, it, it, is it my turn i don't even know i don't know well yeah, so i mean hey, your, why, why not go ahead and why not go ahead and grab a hater and and uh cory knable i mean why not why not just well that? at their current prices you could definitely do that that's why like i was actually against going after the Rays guys, but now I like the idea of taking on two two out of the three with Nick Anderson and Alvarado, or if you want to play it cheap and, and interesting, go um, Alvarado and um, what's the other one I'm thinking of? I can't think Castillo. of it now. Castillo. Grab those two guys late, plug them both in for ratios and Ks, and take the saves that they'll pile in. Stuff like Ed- that. It's just Edwin Diaz and Seth Lugo. Mm-hmm. Seth Lugo. I'd rather have Lugo. I'm not paying for Diaz. I don't think he has a long leash, and he was looking rocky last in the first spring training. We'll see how he looks in the second one, but I don't trust him to bounce back in a shortened season. That confidence gets shot. He's done. I agree with George here on Hater. Um, 
he may not be getting full time saves. I think Knable is definitely going to vulture some saves, but I think Hader is definitely going to get a handful of wins, which is very valuable now, especially at the beginning of the season when a lot of these starters are barely going to go five innings. Um, so if you're in a save holds league, uh, Hader is going to give you the ratios that he always does. He'll give you some wins, he'll give you some saves, he'll give you some holds. So I think that's a huge boost to Hader. I agree with you guys. I probably would like to lock in. Uh, an elite reliever, possibly two, if I can. Um, but yeah, it's just such a volatile position and not, not much changes with that. And I think there's still going to be a lot of turnover and considering they're playing so many games, like these, these teams, they're going to be playing back to back to back days, like so many times that a lot of these relievers, they're going to be unavailable on occasion. So I don't mind doubling up like what we were just saying on some of these elite teams with elite relievers, like the Rays and um the Mets and the Brewers as well um even like the Oakland A's uh, Lean Hendricks um there's a few other guys over there Brad Hand and James Karinchek like I-, I wouldn't mind double tapping some relievers for those teams but yeah I, I just I, I kind of want to lock in an elite reliever rather than maybe just kind of waiting for more of that middle tier at this point but I still think I'm going to probably try and target some hitting. So I don't, I don't want to overreach for some of these guys, but it's definitely going to be in the back of my mind to try and grab one of those top five guys. I hear you on that. And I'm thinking about, I go back and forth on the platoon idea. Cause I'm thinking, well, 60 games, will people get more frequent, free, more frequent rest. And with that, the platoon guys kind of fall into the guys just getting rest days or I think there's going to be more of players just playing every day because in a 60-game stretch, I think most of them can stay healthy and play just about every day and not really be fatigued with the occasional day off, not a weekly day off like you would see in a normal long season. So I don't know. I think I'm just avoiding platoons altogether. Like somebody like a Brandon Lau, who you guys know I love Brandon Lau this year. This crushes me because if he was in – even the idea of him being a potential platoon, even if he wasn't guaranteed to be in one, the, t- the fact that there's talks of it possibly happening – makes me want to just avoid the situation as a whole. So if I think there's even a chance for platoon, I'm out on a guy because it always goes back to at-bats being currency, innings pitch being currency, being a commodity. You need those. And platoon guys don't give you a full set of that, so they lose value right then and there for me. Anybody have anything to add? I was already avoiding that situation regardless <laughs> of a shortened season. So I didn't mind. In a shortened season, I mean, in a long season, you can get Brandon Lau, who's probably awesome. going to do like 25 and 10. But – over a full season, that's fantastic. You can't guarantee me that in a shortened season on a platoon, even on the strong side of a platoon. So we can move on from platoons. Waiver wire and fab management. This is, I don't know if you guys ever played in fab leagues, but I know TGFBI is fab. So you have to learn real quick. I don't know about you guys, but my, I can sum it up real quick again is uh, I'm going to just be really aggressive. I'm going to spend, <laughs> I'm going to spend fast in a hurry, save a little bit for the end, for the, for the end game, of course, because you don't want to be completely out of money when you, if you're making a run down the stretch. But I'm going to be pretty aggressive with my fab and, and overall waiver wire. I'm going to be turning and burning. No time for cold streaks. No time for guys to get right. Just let them go. Did you guys uh, – it seems like the past couple of days everybody's been going back and checking their TGFBI teams. Is there mm-hmm. any guys that you uh, you took that are really going to screw you over, with whether they're injured or just uh, unsigned? Uh, anything that kind of screws you over with the shortened season? I know I was happy to see Puig on my team after initially not being so happy. Like, oh my good, what was a good value then? Like around one pick one sixty or so. I got Gavin Lux. Lux scares me because I think he could platoon because the Dodgers are the Dodgers, and they were talking about him platooning, and he's already hitting at the bottom of the lineup. So 
that one kind of concerns me a little bit more because I did go out of my way to get Lux just to take a shot on him. I don't think That's he's looking So, yeah, looking back at my TGFBI team, I mean, it, I kind of built it for 162, um, taking guys who, you know, I was expecting to maybe compile some some steals like throughout the season. Um, but, no, I mean, at the same time, I did draft some guys like James Paxton, uh, Alex uh, Verdugo, uh, Nick Senzel. Uh, so, I mean, they now that we're starting later, I mean, I guess I'll, I'll have them to start the season. So, oh, I'm looking at it right now, and I actually like a lot about it. And guys like AJ Pollock, who I just grabbed for outfield depth, and I was like, oh, I need a fifth outfielder. He might actually have almost an everyday, you know, role as a DH for them now. So that's kind of nice. I have a lot of Dodgers. I have Justin Turner. I have Gavin Lux. I have Walker Bueller, which I'm actually really happy about nice. that now. I have Giolito. And I have Robert Osuna. Yeah, see, I have Roberto, Roberto Osuna. Excuse me. I have Osuna, and I have Wade Davis. So I did kind of take that, you know, one-two approach. And I have Kerinchak. So I should have some, you know, some toss and saves oh there. So I actually have – I kind of, like I said, I stuck to my guns here. But I like my pitching a lot because I have those two, Bueller and Giolito, where I, I trust them as still top 12 guys. I think I moved Lucas Giolito up to, like, top 12 or 13. And then I have Caleb Smith, Tony Disco. Lucchese, guys, I think that could still – oh, and Matthew Bo- Matthew Boyd. So nothing too like, oh, my God, like as far as like excitement. But guys, I feel like will just be solid and get me innings because I don't think they're going to be guys that will have to worry about warming up too much. But, yeah, yeah. I'm worried about my power. I don't have a lot of power on this team. I just don't yeah, for, for me, it's the speed. Um, my my, uh, my pitching staff, I, I have uh, Verlander, uh, Aaron Nola, James Paxton, and uh, Lance Lynn. And then I've got uh, – Ken Giles, Aroldis Chapman, and then Matt Barnes. Matt Barnes is someone I like targeting for the short season because you know he's going to get strikeouts. And then if uh, Brandon Workman falters there, I mean, he'd be the next guy up, and he's a pretty good next guy up. Um, and then I, I have uh, like Diego Castillo and uh, Ryan Stanek, who both of those guys, it wouldn't surprise me if they're getting some saves this year. So, um, But, yeah, my stolen base guy is uh, Tim Anderson, and uh, that's – that's pretty much. I mean, Cattell Marte, I mean, maybe he could steal a couple here, uh, but it's pretty much just uh, Tim Anderson, Kyle Tucker, hopefully Nick Senzel, um, just a couple guys who I think you know kind of chip in, but no really big like stolen base guys. Yes, yeah. See, I have Colton Wong, who I really like. Like I moved him up a lot in my second base rankings because I think that's one of his skills is stealing bases. I have him on this team. Uh, Jose Ramirez, Tommy Pham, Puig. So I have some steals. No, I wish I had an elite steal guy, but I have some but I don't have any big power guys. I have a bunch of, I, I purposely built this team for the 160 for the 162 because they're all power speed combos. They're all like a little bit of this, a little bit of that. None of them are like full on. Cause now I need, like I need to go see who's on the wire and go take the best power hitter available probably. Yeah. And the best speed option and say, screw fab. We could get, give, give my fab away. I do Regardless, have. Oh, Nelson Cruz is nice. That's a nice, yes. ha- nice to have. I don't have that, but yeah, anyway. it's gonna be it's gonna be weird transitioning from uh, a 162 game season to a 60 game season, especially when we drafted in preparation for 162. Um, but yeah, my team, I'm just uh, I'm I'm really nervous about my pitching now. It was kind of weak beforehand, and I don't feel very comfortable with it now. Uh, Flaherty, Kluber, and Gallon are my top three, and then it kind of just goes to Dylan Cease, Corbin Burns. Kyle Gibson, and then I got Mackenzie Gore and Michael Kopech. So there's just a lot of a lot of things that are up in the air with the pitching staff. But other than that, I'm planning for my offense to just completely wreck you guys. So not concerned with that. 
Oh, oh yeah, Fred, George and I are in the same league. Completely we are. Yeah, you two are. Yeah, forgot league about that. Death, right? <laughs> What's up? The League of Death, right? League yeah. Four. Well, I don't know what it is. I don't know which league is the League of Death anymore. I feel like there's so much that's changed. Yeah, it was so, like uh, supposedly the League of Death. You know, I completely forgot we were in the same league. Until right now, until right this second, I was like, "Oh yeah, we're in the same league." Completely forgot. Oh, All right, man. we have. It's been about an hour. We can run through these questions real quick. Sure. Sound good? We have to. So Let's I found it. one on your feed. I completely forgot about Jordan S at Jordan Two YNP. Will we see less stolen bases due to injury risk? And then that's kind of like a yes or no. I think we just see less injury stolen bases due to team dynamic like yeah. some teams yeah. run more than others i don't know it's hard it's just, to really it's just been a dying art the past few years i don't expect it to get any better this year yeah exactly well you george anything i, mean, I guess it just depends I think, like i don't think injury risk is the would be the reasoning uh, personally it might yeah it might go i don't think injury unless someone's coming in with an injury so like one like like your guy mondesi i mean uh there's a chance he, he runs less you know if he can re-aggravate that shoulder. I know he's still kind of tra- he's still kind of getting into things like uh, as far as uh, getting to a hundred percent. So I think it's just kind of on a case by case basis. But as far as like uh, are guys going to want to slow down because of injury risk? No, I don't. I don't think so. Okay. Next question. Oh, wait, he had more. I I just straight up like skipped it. He I know he had more. What can <laughs> we take away from the KBO? That league has hitters doing better with no fans in the stands. Will that translate to the MLB? If so, should that change valuations? I think the reason what you're seeing, what you're seeing in the KBO is a different type of baseball. We've mm-hmm. turned, the, the American version has turned into power, uh, walks, home runs, and that's it. Low batting average. <laughs> it's like it's a strikeout, home run, or walk. That's the three true outcomes. And they play more of a slap ball, you know, you know, high batting average, bad bip type of baseball, like what we used to see. So I, I think that that's just what if you're watching that, and the reason why it's so different is because they play a different type of baseball. Plus, they actually de-juiced balls back when they were hitting too many home runs because they wanted to get back to this type of baseball. So I think that's what you're seeing, and it's a different type of baseball, and I don't think it's going to transition uh, transition much, if at all, over to our league. Anybody have anything to add to that? No? Okay. <laughs> that was easy enough. So with that said, we can move on to Mike Carter at – doctor no he doesn't go by he needs to change his twitter handle to dr carter or whatever it is mdrc0508 over there at roto fanatic are you moving pitchers way up your draft board what's the biggest impact the short season has on, on your strategy i think we talked about that so it worked out perfect mike if you're listening you already got your answer buddy my wife asked did you forget something and <laughs> yes what, what was that in reference did you forget to put your children to bed or something or she um she is asking because she had school tonight. She takes online classes and it ended before the podcast started. So she asked me, I was like, yeah, I forgot. I have to put the and I got the kids to sleep before we started. So I did do that. Anyway, Mike Simeone, the, you know, the other half of beer, bourbon and baseball, the other show I do because, you know, the three of us don't do enough as it is a right. new DH hitter. You will be targeting the most. I actually just changed my opinion because I think a lot of other names have been said a lot, but I'll let you guys let's start with Zach this time. On Zach, DH hitter. Is it going to be Cespedes? Come on. No, um, I think Cespedes is going to get a lot of DH time. Just, I'm, I'm not until he can show that he is healthy. I'm not as excited. And there's just there's a lot of options on the Mets for that DH spot. So I don't love that. Um, I guess the two they might be more platoon situations, but 
I'm intrigued by the Diamondbacks DH options. I think there's going to be a platoon of Jake Lamb against righties and Kevin Crone against lefties, and I think both of them can just mash against the uh, the against not against their their arms. So Crona's mashes against lefties and Jake Lamb can't hit a lefty for the life of him. So it'll be good if he can hit some righties. So I'm intrigued by that situation and I'm intrigued by, I can't get off this guy. I can't get off Will Myers. I never can. And Will Myers, if he's out of the outfield, um, if he's at first base and they put Hosmer at DH or if they put Will Myers at DH, I'm very intrigued because I think there is some definite stolen base potential there and some power potential and yeah, I'm I'm intrigued by by those two options out in the NL West. George, yeah, I mean uh, those are some good calls. Um, I, I do like Cespedes. Um, I'm really interested to see what the Phillies do with that situation if it opens up a spot for Alec Bohm. Um, re- really interested in in Bohm. He was really hitting well uh, first go around in spring training. Uh, also with Colorado, you know, does that move uh, Daniel Murphy to to uh, DH and then? open up a spot for uh, Hilliard or Hanson. And I know you guys, you guys are shaking your heads, but that would be the logical I mean, thing, but they're not going to. Josh right. Fuentes is going to be the DH. Like it is what it is. No. Yeah, and in the Arizona situation, I would love to see Josh Rojas uh, get more playing time. I just, we, I shake my head. I shake my head because you know, it's my deal. It, it wouldn't be a podcast. If I don't rant about the Rockies. It's ridiculous. They gained a spot and they still have issues. Because they gained a spot, but they also gained a player in Brendan Rodgers who's healthy now. And he's more than ready to be up. Plays the same position as uh, at second base as Hampson. Has the pos- prospect pedigree. And then you have Hilliard fighting for You have Ian Desmond, Tapia. Uh, Fuentes will get his reps for whatever freaking reason. Um, you know what's going to happen at, at, at the trade deadline? They're going to reacquire Pat Vileka, and it's just going to continue to mess everything up. <laughs> yeah, and for those who don't know, Pat Blake was the bane of my existence last year, and this year Josh Fuentes has turned into that. Watch, I'm gonna do my, I'm, I'm gonna be doing my, uh, the the what's it called, the spring training takeaways again, and I'm gonna see a lot of Josh Fuentes. You're gonna see a lot of Josh Fuentes rage in my in my t- writing. We can move on though. I don't want to harp on this. We have a few more, oh, just a few more questions. The uh, the next one. Oh, sorry, I didn't answer, but you took my answer, Zach. I actually, Will Myers was gonna be my answer. I can't quit him either, dude. You and I were on him. (laughs) Well, last year we were both wrong, really, really wrong on him. But (laughs) I'm on him. I'm back. I'm back. I'm. I'm. I'm glad I'm not the only one. Am I? I guess I'm a masochist. I just enjoy the pain. Whatever. We'll get through this. Uh, Let's move on to the um, pool hitter podcast at Pool Hitter Pod. Thoughts on taking the whole Dodger staff as your pitchers? How about in two catcher leagues? Perhaps employ a strategy of starting duo, uh, a strong duo from the same team. Um. No. I can't do the yeah the Dodger <laughs> the Dodger thing um it's tough because outside the top two maybe Price as the third I don't trust them to not play Dodger games so if you're gonna take the whole staff you gotta take Stripling and the relief pitchers too just to ensure everything it's just it's too much of a headache I wouldn't want to yeah. do that I can save, understand this save logic. yourself the headache man don't do that <laughs> George you agree with that like just no or I think it's interesting. I do think it's interesting, but I can't do it because if you take your again, you got to commit. You're you're committing to literally all their wins, and you have to hope that it's. How many random relief pitchers are they going to have get a win this year? Like you're hoping that one of the like the big six or seven that you roster, and then you have to obviously get go out and get Jansen and go out and get whoever the next man up there is. I can't think of the top of my head, and you have to get you probably have to get like seven or eight different arms from that. 
that team, not to mention Dustin May, if he comes up or gets reps or Tony Gonsolin, it's not as simple as just going out and getting their roster. You might have to be, you're, you don't have enough spots on your team to roster. Like you, you need more pitching slots than the eight that you get for that team, basically. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I like the idea of getting like, I mean, at least the top two guys with Bueller and Kershaw. And I don't even mind, I don't even mind Urias. I mean, Urias could be just as good as Lazardo, but much cheaper. You know, it could, they could be like no, the, they're in, going in, like back to back now, man. Are they really? Did uh, Urias is like well, okay, not in ADP, but everyone's rankings, everyone's talking about. We'll see because ADP hasn't adjusted yet. If you look at like the last like month, he's right there with Lazardo. He's like a top thirty guy now. Urias is. He's not much cheaper anymore. It's ridiculous, and people are loving on him. And I want nothing to do with him at that price. His price is too priced out for me. Yeah. What, what about David Price for you guys? Are you guys in okay. on that? Uh, especially with all the injury concerns. I mean, one elbow injury and he could be he could be done for the season here. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not that excited. Uh, I, I'll take him if he falls to the right spot if I need that type of pitcher right then and there. But I'm not going out, going out of my way to get him type yeah, of thing. I agree. And the whole two-catcher strategy in a shortened season – no, it depends. Like if I miss on the high end catchers early, like not high, I don't take high end catchers. I usually go for like one of the like Alfaro types, and then I'll circle back around later. But say, say I bolster my roster with a whole bunch of really good pitchers and hitters. Why not take the discounted Nats guys? You get both of them, Jan Gomes and what's his face, um, Suzuki. Suzuki. You you pair those two together, and together they make a one. They make one solid catcher. You're taking a little bit of a hit because you're only getting one kind of one catcher out of the two of them, but you've assuming that you drafted appropriately, you bolstered the rest of your lineup. So I can understand that. I can get behind that. Cause why would you take, why, why would you only take one of them and then take one of the measures? Some number two catcher. It's not really giving you much of an advantage at catcher anymore at that point. I don't know. just, I can say I, it depends. It's all about how you fill your roster about before that, but yeah. I can get behind it. I, I can see it in a one catcher daily league. But other than that, it's not, it's not a strategy that I would be looking to do like in a two catcher league. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I'm fine with waiting on catcher and maybe not taking one of the elite options, but I don't think I would wait until like the last two rounds to just take uh, a catcher tandem from one team. I don't think there's any particular team out there that has two catchers that are just that much better than other other team catchers like that. So it's not a strategy that I would probably take, but yeah, to each their own. The next question is from... Oh man, I don't know how to say his Twitter name because he has like emojis in it. But at Gerard Super Jerry. Is that what that is? Those are ours because the clocks have the okay, sure. Um, yeah, I mean it makes sense. Gerard in Ciarte looks like at in Gerard and Ciarte. Hero or story, whom should I draft first? I don't know if this is because they think story's not playing cores still or something, but I think as far as I know, they're all still playing cores. And to me, story's still a fringe first-round pick. I've actually moved him down a little bit, but he's still a first-round pick for me. I would obviously take story no matter the format. Do you guys have anything else to add to that? Yeah, that one's a pretty easy call for story there. Yep, story hands down. As long as he's not hanging around Charlie Blackman right now. Or actually hang out with him, get it out of the way, right? Isn't that like the logic these days? At Rob Wedig, if you play in a league where innings are capped for the season, how do you best use them this year? I'm just going to try to max out my innings again like I usually do every year. It's going to be hard because most teams, most players are going to – are gonna. Siri did her thing again. Most teams, most players are going to 
limit their guys initially anyway. So hitting the cap may be difficult. So I wouldn't really be too cautious about it or too. I wouldn't worry at all. Try even hitting them. I'd be trying to hit them because yeah. that's most yeah. likely, most like everybody else is going to. I don't yeah. see it, stream stream your pitchers like you normally would. Um, I would maybe stack some bullpen arms and yeah, I would yeah. definitely try try to get to that. It's going to be much more difficult this year to get to that innings limit. So don't try too hard though, because you don't want to start. I can't even think of a like. You don't want to start Drew Smiley at the road against like against the Yankees or whatever. If that's even going to yeah. happen this year, like stream just, correctly. Follow SP Streamers account. Follow get get the right streamers on the right matchup. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be starting Drew Smiley in Yankee Stadium against the Yanks. Yeah, wouldn't do that. Well, who else would he be playing in Yankee Stadium? Just thought I'd ask that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's actually the final question. So perfect way to end it. <laughs> Guys, uh, appreciate you joining me as always. You can follow George on Twitter at Monson is Oh, whoa. Wow. You can wow. follow George on Twitter at Roto underscore Nino. You can follow Zach on Twitter at Brafzi. You can follow me at, at Mike underscore Curlin. You guys are doing so much. You can follow Roto Ranks at Roto Ranks Pod at Roto Ranks on Twitter. Both of them, they have their own two separate Twitters and all his work and podcasts over there. You can follow Zach. He's obviously doing his thing on Vistolo Pod still as well as George is, but then he's on the Exit Velo podcast, which is, I believe is at v- Exit Velo. PC. Exit Velocity PC. Oh, that's yeah. I know. Oh, because it's Brent. Okay, yeah. You're, I forgot the other guys have their name. It doesn't matter. Yeah, we'll t- we'll get we'll figure yeah. that out another time. Give them a follow as well. Of course, you can follow um my other uh, the, the podcast at Baseload Pod, my other show, Beer Bourbon Baseball at Three Bs of Baseball, because the other stuff was too long to fit the name. Doesn't matter. Long intro, long outro as always, but great review the show. Please five stars, greatly appreciated. We're almost at 100 reviews. Really want to hit that mark for the end of the season. Other than that. We appreciate you listening as always. Draft season is back. Draft prep is back. Baseball is back. We will be talking to you at the beginning of spring training, hopefully. Yeah, until then, guys, we will talk to you soon.